This message was presented at the GYC 2011 conference. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. Father, we just want to thank you so much for your Sabbath day. And Lord, I thank you for these enthusiastic young people that have come together to want to know more about you. And Lord, as we reflect on how you teach us to befriend other people and to start small group ministries in our home churches, that you would impress us with a sense of your love, and that as we interact with other people, that we may portray this love in our characters and be living witnesses for you. So we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, welcome, everyone. If I can just encourage you to make your way to the center, if that's okay, because we still have a couple of people joining us at the side. And if you've just walked in, you are in the Breaking Bread Seminar. This is not Singing Hymns Seminar. We were just doing that just as people were coming in. So for those that missed the introduction, my name is Bernice. I am here with my brother, Daryl, who's standing by the door. We are from Melbourne, Australia. We are from Gateway Adventist Centre, and that's the name of our church. And today we'll be sharing about how to start friendship evangelism in your home church in the context of small group ministry. So it's a very condensed version of the three-part, three-module, rather, seminar series that we just ran on Thursday and Friday. So for those of you that attended our seminar series, this is very, very similar. However... Um, You're more than welcome to stay, and we will be having some practical components uh, where we'll get you guys to participate, and there are some pretty cool prizes involved. So for all of those that came to this workshop, I I trust you will be blessed. So let's go into it. Um, Just as a means of introduction, this is a map of the world, and we are way, way down in the corner of the Southern Hemisphere. That's Melbourne there, and Melbourne is actually the second largest city in Australia. So we have a population of about 4 million people. And altogether in Australia, you may have heard us say that we have 52,000 52, Adventists. So we are a small representation of Adventists, and our church is located right in the CBD, or just about a kilometer out of the CBD of Melbourne. For those that attended our seminar series, you would be familiar with the five principles of a soul-winning church that runs small group ministry and why it's important, and these are all biblically based. Now, we don't have the time today, unfortunately, to go through all this in detail, so if you are interested in, in the details, you can look up the seminar series that we just ran on Audioverse, and there will be written materials as well on the GYC website um, as they put them up. But I do want to run through it briefly, so as we go into care groups, some of you, sorry, small groups, some of you may be asking, well, what is it all about? And this will give you a very brief snapshot. So the first principle is that true spiritual revival is by the word. Why is it important when we're talking about small group ministry to have revival? Well, the reason is because essentially we are the ones that are doing the small group ministry. And your small group is not going to be effective unless you as the members and the leaders of that small group are revived by the word of God. So the first thing, if you want to start a small group ministry in your church, is to make sure that you get your core team together Make sure that you are revived by the Bible and the Bible alone. Amen? All right. So true revival by the word leads to a clear FDA identity, meaning that you know why you're a Seventh-day Adventist and you know what that means. And so then when you're sharing that with non-Seventh-day Adventists, at least you know what you're trying to say. And it also means that you understand the urgency of the prophetic message of hope and that gives you a motivation to start these ministries and to reach out to people. 
Just a few short quotes. Homes are more often more successful. The presentation of Christ in the family and in small gatherings in private homes is often more successful in winning souls to Jesus than are sermons in halls or churches. So this is a map of the care groups that we have in our church. You'll see we have three colors there. We have blue, green, and red. Now we first started our first church plant in the middle of Melbourne in the city and that's the one in the green and that's why it has the most care groups at the moment. Our second church plant we planted in 2008 and that's in the east and we have a few more care groups there and we're going to launch our third church plant in the west of the city next year, which is tomorrow, um, next year and that's why it has the fewest care groups there. But you always notice that where we have a church, we have care groups. In our church, we call our small group ministries care groups, and we'll explain what that means a little bit later. And we start our church based on the context, contacts rather, and based on the success of the care groups that we've established earlier in those areas. Does that make sense? Okay, I want to share with you a little story which is really cool, and it illustrates the power of friendship. Now, in John 1, verse 41 to 42, we read, He first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. The spirit of small group ministry is all about your connections with other people, and you bring them to Jesus via your friendships. The man in the picture here is called Erwin, and he actually attended our church before we, we planted our church in 2003. So he was part of the core team that helped to plant the church. He is Indonesian and right now he lives in, in, in Indonesia with his young family. Now Erwin was baptized and he actually for many years asked us to pray and he prayed as well for his sister Yuli. And after many years Yuli was baptized and both of them together prayed very hard for Yuli's husband Iwan who resisted for many years and by God's grace, to cut a long story short, he was baptized as well. Now Iwan had a friend called Arnoldi and the three of them together prayed for Arnoldi. Arnoldi was invited to the care groups and to the church. He was converted and he was baptized. Now Arnoldi, before he came to the church, he was engaged to be married. And so his wife Myrna, was, um, they as a group of four people prayed for Myrna. And Myrna came through the church. She um, liked what she saw. She went through Bible studies and she was baptized too. Now going back to Erwin... Or rather, sorry, let's go back to Arnoldi first. Arnoldi also has a cousin, and her name is Gabby. And Gabby was invited to the church and to the care groups and the small groups that we run, and she was baptized in our church as well. Now, going back to Owen, Owen has a younger sister as well as Yuli, and for many years we would pray as a church and a youth group for Elsa, who is Owen's younger sister. And after a period of, I think we prayed for Elsa for about seven years, before she came to care groups and to church consistently. Elsa was baptized. She is now one of the leaders of our church, um, and she has led the small groups herself and given many Bible studies and led other people to Christ. One of those people is Melissa. And Melissa um, has now returned back to Bali uh, with her husband, and she is active in ministry there. Now, the amazing thing is that this chain of friendship started with one person. And the prayers of one person can multiply to so many different areas of, of your life that you may not even imagine possible. What God has done in each of these lives is even more amazing because we see that every single individual here is now in a different part of the world. 
Erwin is in Indonesia. Yuli and Iwan are very active in the family ministry in our church and they help out there. Anudi and his wife Myrna are helping out in our West Church plant next year. Gabby has moved to London to study further and she is active in the ministry there. As I said, Melissa is in Bali and Elsa has actually taken a year off to serve as a volunteer and she'll be teaching English and Bible in South Korea next year in one of our Seventh-day Adventist schools. So they take what they've learned and the experiences and the blessings that God has given them and they are sharing them all over the world, wherever they go. Some of our other church members and our old friends from our church have also returned home after their studies in university and they've brought the concept of care groups and small groups with them wherever they go. We have uh, care groups in Taiwan, Hong Kong, uh, Thailand, Indonesia. We have six in Mauritius that has just started. Um, we have some more in the U.S. actually. We, I think we have seven or eight that have started in the U.S. as a result of the members that have come to, from our church. Now it's really important when you consider small group ministry to realize that it is not a substitute for church. You don't invite people to small groups and, and you convert them and you keep them within that clique of a care group system. The small group system is meant to be an avenue to bring people into the Seventh-day Adventist church and it's very important to thus integrate your small group ministry very closely with the personal ministry system in your local church. Does that make sense? And we'll talk a little bit more about what that means practically in terms of activities and Bible studies and how that works. So therefore, when you're talking about who comes and attends your care group or your small group and how that fits in with your church, there are some things that we as a church consider for the um, non-believers that come to our care group. The first thing is that we consider the number of attendees that come to our church worship, worship services that are also attending care groups. We also look at the number of care groups we have and the ratio of seekers to members in the care groups. Now, there's a few terms in there that I know might be a little bit confusing. Just to help us to clarify who is who when we're talking about care groups, we say that the Seventh-day Adventist people um, that run the care groups are the members and the non-believers and our new friends that we invite are the seekers. Does that make sense? Okay, and we also look at the number of trained leaders available to lead care groups in the future because ultimately we want this to be a replicable model. We want it to be something that people can take home and do themselves and it shouldn't be too hard. You know, it should be something that every single one of you when you walk out today is fully equipped to do in your home church. So, when we're talking about people that come to our care groups, at any one time you're most probably going to have people on different levels. For anyone that attends care group, also on a, we run our care groups on a Friday night. Um, so for anyone that runs, comes to care group, comes to church on Saturday as well, and has one-to-one -one studies, we call them gold seekers. Silver seekers are anyone that is having personal Bible studies and goes to care group or church and not both. And bronze seekers are the ones that only come to care groups. So care groups or small groups are always our entering, work, entering point into the church and into personal Bible study. This is a brief summary of the cycle of evangelism on which the principle of small groups is based. And basically, if we start in the bottom or the middle right-hand side, you'll see that there is a free salvation of Christ text box there. Basically, what that means is that someone coming into the church for the first time, the first thing that they're introduced to and the first step that they take is to accept and to learn about the free salvation of Christ. Agreed? 
Yeah. So you come in and you accept salvation, basically. And in gratitude to God's grace and his mercy, we are led to repentance. And there, uh, I'd turn you to Romans 2.4. If you have time, look it up later and you'll see the Bible reference for that. From repentance, we are given a new heart. Psalm 51, verse 10 to 13 describes that. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. What you'll see in that verse... Actually, let's turn to that. Psalms 51, verse 10. Psalms 51, verse 10. And the Bible says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Now people usually stop there, but it's really interesting to keep going. Let's read verse 12 and 13. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. So, when we receive a new heart from God, does it stop there? What comes after that? Actually, it's up there, so you guys can see. But you'll see that part of receiving a new heart, part of the new heart that, that David asked for was a will to teach what? To teach transgressors, to lead people to Christ, to become a soul winner. So the next step of the cycle of evangelism is that anyone that has a new heart and is filled with the Holy Spirit and experiences conversion becomes a soul winner. And they then reach out to other people and introduce the free salvation of Christ to get to them and the cycle keeps going. Make sense? All right. So this is a picture of uh, one of our evangelistic series in the West Church that we're about to plant. And the point that I want to make here is that your care groups or your small groups are an avenue for you to invite people to, nurture relationships with, perhaps enter into one-to-one Bible studies if that's what they're um, looking for, and then channel those contacts into a public evangelistic series, which is where the evangelist will call for decisions. And from there, you will be able to also identify people that are interested in Bible studies, and the cycle continues on multiple levels. This is how our church started, actually. We started with, we are based around the major university campuses in Melbourne. And so we started off with one care group. And from one care group, we grew and grew and multiplied into several care groups. We used those care groups to form contacts and get new friends that we can invite to public evangelistic series. We did that for two to three years before we had a group of about 30 to 40 people that we then started a Sabbath afternoon church service with. Continuing our groundwork and continuing our our friendships and care group level, that was another one year before we transitioned to a Sabbath morning worship service as a fully-fledged church. Does that make sense? So public evangelism and evangelism goes hand-in-hand with your small group ministry. Okay, so we're after principle number two. And sorry, principle number three. And principle number three is know your customer. So you need to design everything around your seeker, around your new friend, around the person that you're introducing to the Bible for the first time. And that means that you need to put yourself in the shoes of the seeker. What do they think? What do they feel? It's all new to them. So if you were to think about what components there are in the church life, you have things like care groups, and our care groups, the care stands for Christ's 
attitude reflected in everyone. That's what the care stands for. So that's the same, synonymous with small groups. So we have our care groups, we have Sabbath school, worship service, we have personal ministry, one-to-one Bible studies, social activities and public evangelistic meetings. So for anyone that's coming um, that you invite to the church for the first time, they'll see that, oh, your church offers a whole range of things. And they may not fully understand the purpose of um, each of these events. And this is what they may perceive. So from the care groups, they may not understand that, oh, this is a means for us to evangelize them. They have no idea what that means. They only see that as a caring and relationship-building experience. Does that make sense, how that corresponds? For their Sabbath school, they don't know, you know, oh, what, it, what is Sabbath. They may not even know what Sabbath is. So for Sabbath school, that's just basically when they learn more about the Bible. Worship services, worship. Personal ministry is where they learn about the Bible in an in-depth way, on a one-to-one basis. Social activities is where they make new friends, they form a new community. And evangelistic meetings is where they have a public seminar on the Bible. That's all quite simple and straightforward. Now what I want to note is that when we're going into ministry, it's important to realize how the seekers perceive it. But it's also important to understand what it means for us. So the same components of ministry are different from a member's perspective. The care groups become an opportunity for you to witness uh, through your living out of God's word and friendship. Sabbath school is a time not only for you to train and to learn, and we'll be talking a little bit more about what we do in our Sabbath school time to train leaders and core members to lead small groups. Uh, Worship service is worship. Personal ministry is a time for us to witness through God's word and friendship. And that goes hand in hand because anyone, any lay member and leader and carer of our small groups is involved in personal Bible studies. It's also a time for them to grow spiritually themselves as they learn more about the Bible. Social activities is where you learn to build a community rather than just be part of a community. And evangelistic meetings are just opportunities for more evangelism as well. Okay, principle four um, is that your care group needs to be within a church system that has strong emphasis on training for the members. You need to be rightly trained as care group leaders and members, and that goes down to a very basic level, um, modeling it after the New Testament church and, and the SDA pioneers and the spirit of prophecy. As we go into the training aspect, there are a few quotes that I want to share. Acts 2, verse 42 to 44. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and of prayers. Now, I know you guys have heard this verse numerous times today, but it's really important to realize that fellowship comes in the context of doctrine and prayers. You cannot separate the three components. All right. Principle five, watch for the Holy Spirit changing lives. And that applies to any ministry in your church, uh, whether it be your choir or um, your, health, your health team, uh, your, uh, what else is it? your public evangelistic team. You need to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And that means that, first of all, you need to have the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, these are two of my good friends from back home. And whenever I see that picture, it reminds me of what friendship is all about. I recently spent some time in a children's hospital just observing and shadowing a pediatric dentist. Um, 
And so in pediatric dentistry, you see a lot of kids with special needs. Um, and some of those kids have the disease or the syndrome called autism. It's a spectrum disorder. And they struggle with um, recognizing and responding appropriately to social cues. So basically, they don't really know what to do in social context. Uh, so they are, one of the techniques that people that are dealing with autistic kids use is that they, um, they basically have to instruct them on how to respond on things that we would just take for granted. For example, if we ask a kid to sit in the dental, in the, back in the dental chair, and we have a rule where we say, your hands must go on your belly, because otherwise you have all these hands flying around when you're trying to work on their teeth. So there was this one autistic kid that came in and, and he said, yes, I know that's a house rule. Um, I must always keep my hands to myself. And that's how they think. You know, they articulate all the things that they've been taught. Now, this same kid, we went on when he was settled down and we, we were talking to him about how he's going at school and um, what he liked to do with his friends and who his best friends were. And he responded with, um, with this sentence and he said, yes, that's house rule number 10. I must always share and spend time with my friends. I will invite them over next week and we will have cookies and milk and something. And it just made me realize that we take it for granted that everyone knows how to make new friends. What do you do to make a new friend? What do I do to make a new friend? And it's very similar to what that little kid was saying. You know, you spend time together. You eat together. Eating is very important. Um, you take time to just talk to your new friends and you share with them. You pour your heart out to them. That is what care groups and small groups are all about. It's all about friendship. So remember that as we go into this. As I shared earlier, better than all the friendship of the world is the friendship of Christ's redeemed. The warmth of true friendship, the love that binds heart to heart is a foretaste of the joys of heaven. Now at this time, I just want to show a short video which will give you an introduction as to the components of a care group. Uh, what we actually do in each section of a meeting that we have every week, and then we'll go a little bit into the details of those things, and, and then we'll have a little uh, practical exercise in there as well. So just bear with us for a minute as we, we have to switch the computer settings, so it'll just be a minute. as an editor and um, care group for me is 
more than just a small group situation. K-Group is an opportunity where I can learn how to love others and to share that love of Jesus with other people. Um, so often as Adventists we come together, um, but often our coming together is all about mutual encouragement and fellowship. Um, but K-Group is more than that. It's a chance for us to share the love that we have experienced with Jesus with our friends, with our colleagues, with our family members, with the people that God brings us into contact with on the street. Um, it's a place where we can come together and to um, really show people what it means practically to be a Christian. Um, K-Group stands for Christ's Attitude Reflected in Everybody and it has four main parts. Um, first we eat together, eating very important. Um, then we sing together, um, then we have a short practical Bible study and after that time we share what's been happening in our lives during the week and pray together, encourage one another. Um, I myself first came to Care Group in the start of 2008. Um, when I came, um, I'd never taught a Bible study before. I was just learning how to experience Jesus for myself. Um, but what I experienced through Care Group was um, as a member, I really was encouraged by observing the way that Jesus interacted um, in the lives of my other care group members during the week and also had the opportunity to be challenged in my own spiritual walk because all of a sudden I was sharing what God had done for me with people who hadn't experienced it yet. So it really encouraged me to grow. Um, and what I really like about care group is that it accommodates everybody. Um, it's an opportunity for people from all walks of life, um, not only to get to know God, but to be involved in sharing and practically with other people. Hello, my name is Vincent. Um, I'm from China and I study um, electrical engineering in Morash University. I'd like to care in Morash University um, because it, um, it helps me in help me uh, not only spiritually but also physically. Uh, I like the uh group particularly in um, in the vegetarian food um, but also uh, when we come study Bible together and after that we share in the we share in the on the weekly um, and praise the Lord and uh, pray together as well. Um, prayer is very important in Kegur because um, um because we uh, through pray praise uh, we uh, we encourage, uh, encourage each other, and uh, also um, I can um, through, uh, develop a relationship with God. Well, especially now, uh, before praying, uh, we like to praise the Lord, sharing the uh, sharing the weekly experiences with God, and uh, yes, yeah, it helped me to build a relationship with God. Hi, I'm Edward. I came from Indonesia, and I take business and commerce as a major in Monash University. For me personally, I like the singing part the most. You know why? First, firstly, I came as an outsider. I don't know everything about Melbourne. Then I came into this group and I found, wow, cool. How I can develop my personal identity and how I can mingle with people that I don't know through the singing part. And I see how the people do the ice-breaking part, you know, with Energizer and how they do the action singing like, oh, my God loves me or whatever, rejoice Lord always. And every and yeah, the song with action and with the sign language, I like this part. Because you know why? Although you don't know the people, at least you can enjoy and you can praise the Lord. Right? This is the best 
aspect in the K group. You know what? Starting from I'm a shy person initially, then by then the people in the K group approach me and feel and ask me and approach me to feel that I'm part of, of the family. By then I start to realize, yeah, this is a place where I can grow spiritually. So K group studies are not designed to be doctrinal studies. They're actually designed to be simple, short, and practical. The aim of K group, the aim of K group studies is really to help our new friends to learn what it means to walk with Jesus. So all the K group studies are very, um, very simple. Uh, we we use a lot of um, stories for character studies. We use a lot of just studies on the basics of the gospel. And we try to link the Bible study time to a sharing time where people can understand how to take what they've learned and apply it. Always use an illustration that is simple, um, practical, and that the people are able to grasp. Illustrations are really good because they help people to understand the concepts of salvation and the truth very easily. Um, generally, limit the points that you are making. Try to get across between one and three points. Don't try to get across five points and lose One point, one really good point, um, maybe stretch it up to three, but generally one good point that they can take home. And number three, link it back to practical application. What does that mean for me today, practically, in my life? My name is Amo, and I'm from Botswana. And I'm a Monash student studying medicine. And I love K group so much. It's always a happy day for me and a blessing day for me where we come together, eat, sing songs, and then just study the Bible. We hear praises from other people. It's really encouraging and it also makes your faith in God grow. Hearing what God does in other people's lives and how He blesses them, how He touches their lives and how He does all these things. It's really a blessing. You are also encouraged to like, I'm going to trust in the Lord because you also hear of His goodness. You want to, to experience that goodness too. And about prayers, it's really good because sometimes you think you are the only one who has problems with prayers. But when you listen to prayers, other people asking for prayers, you find out that we all need prayers. We all need to have something to pray about. And you know, you are also encouraged to like give prayers so that people can pray with you. is good for those people who are searching, like um, who want like a relationship with God, especially like environment. It has changed my life a lot. When I came to care group, I wasn't an Adventist. Uh, it was at a time in my life when I had stopped going to church altogether. So I didn't have any relationship whatsoever with God. Uh, but through care group, I've grown spiritually. I've become closer to God. And I recently got baptized.
turn to Mark 2, chapter 2 to 12, and we'll just go through this story. Um, as we switch the computer screens back, we need to switch them back to another view. Um, but I just want to take you through the principles underlying why and how we have the number of people in a care group that we have and the things that we do. So Mark 2, chapter, uh, verse 2 to 12. And I'm sure most of you are familiar with this story. This is a story of the four friends that brought their um, paralytic friend to Jesus on the, on the stretcher, and it was too full in the room in the house, so they had to go through the roof. Are you guys all familiar with that story? Good. There are just a couple. We won't re- read through all of it then, but there are just a couple of things that I want to highlight as we go through. So let's pick up in verse 2. And straight away many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door, and he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. Now the first thing that I want to highlight, there were how many friends? Four friends. So there was one paralytic and four friends. So one person that you're bringing to Jesus, how many people does it take? Four friends. They need at least four friends. Remember that. Okay, let's keep going. Verse 4. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let him down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. Now, I haven't done this personally myself, but I imagine that if you were to remove roof tiles and carry someone and lower them down, it takes a fair bit of effort, yeah? So bringing someone to Jesus is not necessarily a simple task. It takes effort. So the first principle is one person, how many friends? Four friends. Second principle, it takes effort to bring someone to Jesus. Let's keep going. Verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Thy son be forgiven thee. Just the act of how you bring someone to Jesus and how you bring them to Jesus is very important is a testimony to them in itself because you're witnessing your faith in what you do. All right, the same story is actually retold in Luke. So if we can turn to Luke chapter 5, and there's just one more, time, one more point that I want to illustrate. So Luke chapter 5, verse 25. Luke chapter 5, verse 25, and this goes to the end of the story, actually, and it says, And immediately he rose up before them and took up that whereon he lay and departed to his own house, glorifying God. That is the aim of our ministry. The aim of our ministry is to make soul winners for Christ that are glorifying God themselves. So you bring someone to Jesus and they are sick, they are paralytic. It takes four friends, at least four friends. More is better. Um, And it takes effort to bring someone to Jesus. Just the very act of you bringing someone to Jesus and the way you interact with them during that time is very important. That is a testimony in itself. And we want to make soul winners that are glorifying God. So those are the four principles that you can hi- highlight from this, uh, this passage. And it's the outline for how we base our principles of any small group. 
There are two things I want to cover. The first is visualizing the end game. Basically, what is the goal of a care group? Every true disciple is born into the kingdom of God as a missionary. He who drinks of the living water becomes a fountain of life. The receiver becomes the giver. A small group is ministering just as much to you as it is to the person that you are inviting. So what is our end game? Well, there are three very simple goals. The first is that we want souls to be one and people to be baptized. Fair enough. Uh, we, want our goal, we want our groups rather to grow in spiritual depth. And thirdly, we want our groups to be able to grow in number and multiply as well. And we'll talk about that critical number later. I want to introduce you to a friend of mine. Her name is Gia. Now, Gia actually came from a very staunch agnostic family. Um, her father especially was very opposed to her getting to know the Bible, um, getting to know more about Adventism, and was very opposed especially to the types of lifestyle changes that she chose to make in her life. And so I actually remember as a kid, I was probably about seven or eight, and my mom spent many days praying with her and fasting together. My mom was her Bible teacher. And about four or five years later, uh, her parents, her mom actually said, look, get baptized, um, but just don't tell us when. Um, and so she has since grown so much spiritually. She has become as such a powerful witness for God. And this is just a little bit of a snapshot of the effect that her life has had in other people's lives. So if we look to the far middle right, you'll see that Jia actually uh, had Bible studies with a girl named Grace. Grace is from China. Uh, she knew nothing about Christianity whatsoever before Jia uh, actually studied with her. Grace is now baptized, and she is a future leader of one of our care groups. Going around clockwise, she actually also studied with a high school friend, Natalie. And Natalie had um, the privilege, I guess, of witnessing how Jia changed from when she knew her in high school to what she is now. She also studied with Sarah here on the bottom left. Sarah is helping out in our church plant now as one of the care group leaders of our West care group. And she studied with Dolly. For many years, she and Dolly worked together hand in hand as leader and carer of the care group. Um, and the fundamental principle behind their awesome working relationship together was that they were friends to start off with. Jia was her friend when Dolly was first a seeker in that care group. And then when Dolly eventually grew, got baptized, was trained, and became the leader of that same care group, they continued to just work together perfectly because of that friendship that was underlying them. Um, Jia also introduced her friend Angeline to the Bible. And as we go and we finish clockwise, Jia actually gave me Bible studies, and she is my spiritual mentor. So the cycle goes like in wonderful ways. It's, it's hard to imagine how God will work. So... On a very practical level, a care group needs to look a little bit like this and, and you know, be sensitive to how God leads and guides, but these are some underlying principles. The first is that we want to have a group of about 8 to 10 people, and we want it to feel like a family. We have one leader and one carer, and my brother will be talking a little bit more about uh, who is the leader, what do they do, uh, what do they need to be like, and who can be a leader. And then we have something called leaders' accountability to a leaders' care group. That sounds very complicated, but it's a little bit easier to understand from the diagram. So if you see the blue square, that's the leader. Uh, we also have a carer that assists the leader, and we have core members and seekers within a, a care group as well. Every leader and carer 
is accountable to a care group coordinator. Basically, they look after all the care group leaders and they actually come together every Sabbath morning before Sabbath school and they pray and they report back as a team of care group leaders and carers. They report back about how all their members and seekers are going and they spend time together in that care group um, to pray for one another, to uplift one another and also to uplift the people that they are ministering to. So as a care group leader and carer, it's important not to neglect that family and that uh, community for yourself as well. Alright, so the principles of care groups. The first is that you need to be very sensitive to people's needs and the Holy Spirit will reveal this to you as you pray over it and as you seek God's will. What I mean by that is that if you look at our map of care groups, uh, certain care groups are tailored to different demographics. So we have, when we, especially when we first started out, and we had fewer care groups. We had a distinctly university students care group, and then we had a young adults care group, and then as we grew, we had a Chinese care group. You'll see somewhere up there. Um, and at one stage, we had a lot of Vietnamese people, so we didn't have a Vietnamese care group, but we had all of them in the same care group together. And it worked well because newcomers coming in found that they related better to people that had like minds, and they were able to especially when we get into sharing time, and, and we'll talk a little bit about what that is, um, they were able to share about the same things. So, for example, if a young adult came to the care group and they had a hard week at work, it's a little bit, under, uh, a little bit easier for another working professional to understand what they mean rather than a student. Having said that, it's very important to um, be careful that you are sensitive to the spirit because it doesn't mean that you absolutely have to put people into the care groups in which you think they belong. One practical example might help you to understand what I mean. So I recall there was one uh, Chinese student, and so she was studying in Melbourne, and for several months of the year, her mother would actually come to visit her. And so during that time in, in Melbourne, her mom would just uh, spend time at home and, and tour Melbourne, and I'm, I'm not quite sure. I think those are the main things, and look after her daughter. Um, and so we thought that she might be better suited to attend the Chinese care group because she didn't speak any English. And so we thought that that might be a good fit. She might understand more. She might enjoy it more. But the fact was that that, um, that mom actually took so much joy out of cooking for our care group that she just cooked for us every Friday night and she took so much joy out of seeing people enjoy her food that that's the care group that she wanted to be in. So just be sensitive to how God leads and guides. And that's something to keep in mind. All right, so this is the fun bit where we get to do some practical exercises. Um, what is a model program? Meaning if you have a, a small group session, say once a week on a Wednesday night or a Friday night or whatever night suits you, uh, then what do you actually do? There are three equally important parts. So the first is that you want to share a meal together. And food breaks down all sorts of boundaries. And it is a really good time for you to mingle and get to know people as well. Some of the uh, ideas that we've tried in our care group is to have theme nights. So we have a lot, if you've seen in the video, we have a lot of Botswanians in our, um, in our church. And so they like to have Botswanian nights and they'll cook all sorts of African food for us, which is really a treat because, um, and then we cook Asian food for them. So they like that too. Another thing that we tried was that we have a, a care group you may have seen on the map that's called um, Alpha Care Group. And so they decided one night to have a A food theme night, meaning they were only going to prepare foods that started with A. 
and I think they only ate mostly apples that day. <laughs> But they really enjoyed it, you know, and it was a lot of fun.、Um, when you're when you're doing food and when you're preparing food, it's a really good way of introducing people to the health message as well. Show them that vegetarian food can taste good, you know, and.、Um, Some people, especially the girls, like to get involved in in helping you to prepare the food, and don't be afraid, especially after you've gotten to know your seekers and they've come for a while. If they are willing and and they offer to help you to prepare for the food, let them do it because it helps them to、uh, find a sense of belonging. So often, sometimes, especially the girls that like to cook, they'll say, "Why don't you come over on Friday afternoon? We'll prepare something small together, and then we'll bring it to care group." And usually the boys will just offer to bring some fruit, but it's a good way of integrating and spending time with your seekers as well. Okay, sharing the word. Now, sharing the word, we start always with singing, and you sing very simple songs. We have a care group songbook、uh, that you can look up on our on our church website if you're interested. But some of the songs that we're singing today, as we were waiting for people to come in, are examples of the songs. We like action songs. It looks silly, I know, but it breaks down all kinds of barriers, and it can be your icebreaker to get to know people as well. Okay, and then after that, you go into the study. But before we do that, I want to skip over to this slide, and we'll talk a little bit about what you do when you're singing, and especially when you're in your meal time. How do you talk to new people? How do you mingle, as we call it, with your seekers? Now, there's a very simple principle, and being in Texas. You may be able to remember Fort because you have Fort Worth. So, Fort stands for family and friends, occupation or what occupies their time, religion. So, what do your parents believe? Do you share the same beliefs? And a short testimony. If you're sharing a testimony, you want to keep it short. Obviously, that's why it's called a short testimony.、Uh, you you don't want to glorify sin, avoid those type of topics, and avoid Christian jargon. So. Very simple, very relevant to what you think might be applicable to that person. And basically, any testimony that you share has to incorporate three things. A is your life before Jesus. B is how you came to know Jesus, especially in that particular area. And C is your life now with Jesus. So a practical example of that is if someone is coming to your care group for the first time, and、uh, you say, "Oh, how how do you find it?" And they say, "Oh, well, I've never been to care group before." And you can say, "Oh, well, you know, I found my first care group a little bit intimidating as well. Before I knew about care group, so that's your A. Before I knew about care group,、um, I I thought religion was strange.、Uh, but you know, I found that the best way for me to get to know the Bible was in this group setting, and it was very friendly. Everyone was very friendly, and they didn't push me. I had a lot of time to study the Bible at my own pace." And now, so that's your C. Now I love to study the Bible by myself, and I'm growing more and more every day. So I hope that you enjoy the K group, and I, I know that you will. Simple. Everyone can do it. Okay. Can I have a volunteer that would like to try this? I promise you, there's a prize. Yeah, come on up. And I think Daniel has a mic. Oh, at the standing mic there. You, yeah, if you just want to grab that mic. So. How about okay? Let's pretend that I'm a new person that you've invited to the care group. Okay.、Um, so yeah, you can get to know me, and I'll make some stuff up along the way. Okay. Do you come from a big family? No. No. Are you close to your parents? 
Fairly. Fairly? Do you... <laughs> I'm being very mean. I mean, some people, when they first come to your care group, are going to have all kinds of walls up, and they're going to give you one-word answers. But as you, as you integrate it, as you um, just you know, keep going, pretend like nothing's happened, they'll warm up. Okay, so, yes, no and fairly. <laughs> Great. <laughs> well, the next point would be religion, so... <laughs> Um, so, if yeah, you're yeah, yeah. so what occupies my time? What occupies your time? Yeah. Okay, so what kind of things do you like to do? Um, I like to swim. Swim? Do you uh, do you go to a gym or do you like to swim in just natural places? <laughs> you know, trespassing on ponds and whatnot. <laughs> Well, actually, I have I do enjoy open water uh, swimming. Uh, we have some nice beaches in Australia. That's awesome. Um. <laughs> do you like to swim? I do enjoy swimming, but I'm not very good. <laughs> very good. <laughs> cool. So, where do you usually swim? <laughs> um, I also enjoy outdoor swimming. I don't like to be cooped up in a gym or anything in mm -hmm. the pool. I just find it's a lot funner just to be able to jump off of rocks and stuff and not have to... No diving areas. I don't like that. Oh, you don't like diving? I love diving. <laughs> <laughs> So how often are you able to swim? Do you get a lot of free time or are you, you know, are you working full time or studying? Or? No, I, I, I'm studying at my school and usually on the weekends, you know, on a good day, I like to go out with my friends and we yeah. go to local uh, just places to swim, local rivers and stuff like that. Okay, but all right. So whereabouts are you basically? Is your university close to um, the rivers and stuff? Or? Oh, yeah. I go to... <laughs> I, I have a, my school is in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and that's a great outdoor area. It's just oh. full of, full of wildlife and places I'd to go. I'd love to visit someday. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you study? I study chemistry. Chemistry, wow. I only like half of my chemistry course. I, I used to study organic chemistry, um, and I liked that part, but I didn't like the other stuff. So, very good on you for doing chemistry. Um, is this your first time to the care group? We're switching roles now. <laughs> yes, it is. Can't you tell by how nervous I am? <laughs> well, welcome to our, um, our GYC care group. This is, um, don't be nervous at all. These guys are all nice. Look at all of them. friendly. Ha have you ever been to something like this before? Once before, I came last year to something similar to this. Oh, no, to, to our care group, I mean. No. Oh, okay, okay. So, um, are you from a, like, have you ever attended a church, or? Yeah, I, yeah. I attend regularly. I, I, I like church, actually. You like church? Oh, okay. So, have you attended for a long time, or? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I was brought up in the Adventist church, and I've, that's okay. always been how I was. Okay, fantastic. Well, you know, I think you'll really enjoy our care group. Our care group is... Exactly like church, except a lot more fun. Oh, I mean... <laughs> wow, that was on the recording. You are honest. <laughs>
It's a lot more lively and and you can laugh a lot more. <laughs> okay, that 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 yeah. <laughs> we'll have to edit that part out. But welcome to our care group. Thank I you. hope you have a good time. Um, let me know if if you ever have a group of friends going to uh, where was it again Tennessee uh -huh. to the river. We should get a group together and and go swimming. All right. So sorry. What was your name? Obadiah. Obadiah. Can and we have a hearty amen for Obadiah? Yeah. And Obadiah, this is just a, a little token, I guess, from us in Australia um, for being such a good sport. This is your little prize for today. <laughs> okay, so does everyone get the gist of how that works? Yeah. yeah, and, you know, it can be a little hard sometimes, especially when, when you start off and, and all you get is just one word answers. Yes, no. Do you like okay, group? Maybe. You know, like, so you need to just pretend like nothing's happened. Just keep going and just uh, ask, some, ask some questions and, and it'll be fine. You'll get more practice with that as we go along. Okay, so you've mingled with the seekers. They're all laughing. Everyone's happy. You've sung a few songs. So then what do you do? We are going to study the word now, okay? And so there are simple, very simple principles that you want to keep to, and some of them were in the video already. The first is that you want to make it short. This is the first time that some people have ever open the Bible even, and you don't want to scare them away straight away. So 20 to 30 minutes, and as the video was saying, one main principle for the day. If you're studying Daniel 2, um, maybe if you really want to study Daniel 2 straight away, maybe break it up into several weeks and study it over several weeks so that you can extract points. Um, what else is there? Oh yeah, you want to make sure that people have access to a Bible. So usually we have a care group bag of Bible, and we bring that along, and anyone that doesn't have a Bible, uh, we help them to flip the pages, make sure you're sitting next to someone with a Bible, that sort of thing. We have a range of topics that we use, or curriculums that we use, um, based on the needs of our seekers and the age of our seekers. What I mean by that is some people have come to care group for a long time, some people have not. So you want to have a curriculum that meets their needs at where they're at. So some of the examples that we use are parables. We go through parables. We have Christianity 101, which is things like, uh, if you want to do morning devotions, what does it actually mean? How do you pray? What does it mean to have a prayer journal? Uh, why do you need to get together and have fellowship with one another? All those type of things. We sometimes do how to study the Bible, uh, character studies on people like Daniel. Uh, I think we did Jesus. I think we did Paul those type of things. Um, and all the studies are not doctrinal. They're not meant to be doctrinal. They're meant at teaching people how to develop relationships with one another and teaching people how to develop relationships with God as well. And then you cultivate spiritual interest to then go into one-to-one -one Bible studies based on more doctrinal topics. Does that make sense? So your sharing time, one easy way, if you're going to prepare a study, is to have an observation principle application approach. So we're going to practice that actually. Um, and if we can have a look at one of the parables. Does anyone have a favorite parable that they'd like us to look at? Very short. Wow, that's long. <laughs> we want something that's to do. The lost coin. Okay, the lost coin. So let's have a look at the lost coin. 
and So let's read from Luke 15, Luke 15, verse 8. Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she loses one piece, does not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. And when she had found it, she called her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the piece which I had lost. Okay, so an observation that you can draw is just simply a fact. Okay, from these two verses, we want to extract a fact. For example, the woman, the woman involved in the story sought diligently. That's a fact. That's an observation. Okay? So the next step that you want to draw is a principle. So a principle is something that you can, uh, I guess, use to summarize a group of observations that you may have gathered from that same verse. So, for example, if we have... Okay, so one observation is that the woman sought diligently. If we go into verse 9, we also see that um, she called her friends and her neighbors together after that. So this woman was very... uh, So those are two observations, right? The woman sought diligently, and the second one is that she called her friends together afterwards. So the principle that you can draw is that this woman was very conscientious in whatever she did. Is that summarize the two observations that we have? Okay, so then we want to move into an application. An application is something that basically you can apply from the principle that you've drawn. So an example using that principle of conscientious efforts is that in my daily life, I sometimes sometimes struggle to get up, for example, uh, to do morning devotions. So my application for this week will be to set my alarm, and I want to be conscientious and wake up every day at 6.30. Your applications that you draw need to be specific, they need to be achievable, and they need to be relevant. Okay? So, two minutes, and then we'll get two volunteers to share their observations for us. So, I just want you to bring an observation uh, from, from these two verses. And you can discuss it amongst yourselves. Have a go and see how you go. One observation from these two verses. Luke 15, Verse 8 to 9.
How's it going? Do we have two volunteers that would like to share? Come up to the mic. And is there one more person? Maybe a girl? Seems we've had two guys. Any brave souls out there? All right, let's let's start with your observation. Okay, um, in verse 9, it says, When she found it, she called her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, mm-hmm. for I found the peace which I had lost. Mm-hmm. So, for this week, it's kind of like a challenge. like or Yeah, challenge. like, so, okay, you have an observation. You mm-hmm. need to extrapolate that to a principle. So, something that okay. you can use to form different applications. I observed that she called her friends together and rejoiced with them. Okay. So, this week... I will call about two of my friends randomly and like share some good news with them. Fantastic. So, observation was what? When this woman had good news, it was worth sharing. Correct? So the principle is that any good news that you have is worth sharing. You see the difference between the observation and the principle. Very important because as you go through the study, uh, say if you were studying the whole chapter or if you were studying Mark 2, like what we just did, you're going to have a list of, thank you very much, Um, I won't make you stand up. Here's a koala for you. Good catch. All right, so if you have a whole list of, say, 10 observations from the story by the end of your study, remember the point in the video was what? You want to have one main lesson. So you want to have one principle that summarizes all those 10 observations. Make sense? And then after that, you can help people to form applications based on what's relevant to them. Go ahead. Okay. In uh, verse 8, mm-hmm. she has lost one, um, and she searches carefully until she finds it. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my life, I feel like sometimes if, if you feel like you're lost, mm-hmm. that um, like in the next week, if I feel like I'm lost at any point, I will come to the Word mm-hmm. and uh, try to find something in mm-hmm. it that it helps me find my way. Okay. So the observation was what? When you lose one, you concentrate on the nine? No. No. When you lose one, you concentrate on the one. All right. So that's our observation. When the woman lost one, she concentrated on the one that she had lost. So the principle is, what you lack in your life or the deficiencies in your life should be your focus of growth. Make sense? So your application for this week, as you said, is very, is very applicable and very relevant and achievable. That this week, you want to pray and identify one area of your life. Ask God to reveal to you one area of your life that you, are, you need to grow in. And then you want to seek Him after that. So your focus for this week is to pray that God will reveal that one lost coin in your life. Does that make sense to everyone? That's how you structure a care group study because it's based not on... Thank you very much. Let me give you a koala. Um, catch. Ooh. Oh. Okay. Because the study is not based on um, making sure that by the end of it they go away knowing the story of the lost coin. The study is based on knowing that when they take away what they've learned, it helps them to build a better relationship either with God and or with the people around them. Okay? All right. So, where are we up to? The last section of, the sh- uh, of your care group is sharing time. So we purposely keep our studies to 20 to 30 minutes so that you have more sharing time. And sharing time is when you ask, um, you help each of your seekers to extract those applications for themselves. 
Okay, and you um, you see how the seekers grow. The more time they spend and the more they grow spiritually, the more and more uh, relevant, specific, and deep the applications are going to be. Let me give you an example. So remember the story that we just read in Mark 2. So if someone has come to care group for the first time, second time, they may not even want to say anything. When you get to them in the circle, they'll probably say, uh, sorry, I didn't really understand the study today. And that's fine. So you just move on. Someone that has come for maybe a month or a month and a half might have a very simple and generic application. Something like, okay, so the friends brought um, their friend to Jesus, so I want to seek God in my life more. Do you see how? I mean, it's a, it's a logical train of thought and it's a relevant application. Someone that has been there for a few months, maybe they've started Bible studies or or they're more comfortable with you, might say, okay, well, these four friends saw that they had a burden and they needed to bring it to Jesus. So I want to learn how to carry my burdens to Jesus when I have problems. It's more deep, but it's not specific. It's not quantifiable. It, it, it's hard to be accountable to someone with a generic application like that. Someone that is um, growing more spiritually, and you need to model this level of uh, this level of application, I guess, when you share, especially when you go around in the circle, might share something like this. Even though I have heard the story so many times, I realize that I have not been a friend to my fellow friends like those four friends were. So this week, my application is that I have someone in my mind that I know I have neglected to encourage and to bring to Jesus. So I'm going to set aside time one day this week to catch up with that friend. Ask me how it goes next week and I'll let you know how it went. Do you see how it works? So it teaches them to build relationships with one another and build relationships with God. Okay, so one more volunteer. If we can have um, one volunteer to share an application from the story. Yes, go ahead. Do you want to come up to the mic? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I guess an application could be when looking at the lost coin, we can find ourselves perhaps even being lost within the saved church or home of God. Okay. So we can find ourselves being in the home but still being lost. Mm-hmm. Okay, so your application is? Our application is to, to find out, am I, even though I'm in the church, am I actually found by Jesus? Okay. So you want to pray about that this week? Yeah. And yeah, ask pray God and find to out, like, Lord, am I really in your arms, even though I do all the things, even though I go to church, even though I go to Bible study, even though I do okay. this or I do that, yeah. am I actually uh, in your arms? Am I actually found by you, or am I just in the house? Okay. That would be... Fantastic. Do you see how, if, if someone starts off... Oh. <laughs> if someone starts off... Thank you so much. If someone starts off with something that um, may be able to be quantified a little bit more, if you are comfortable with them and they are comfortable with you, okay, don't be afraid to encourage them to become more and more specific, especially as they grow. Um, you can say, oh, okay, so you want to be better in your devotion. Do you want me to call you up at 6.30 in the morning? Let's make a time to pray. I'll, I'll ring you up so that you wake up on time. So you make that quantifiable for them. And if they agree, then that's the application for the week. Okay. The second part of sharing time 
talking about sharing time, is we share about how our week has been and if there is anything to pray for. Now, we usually, uh, we also call this praise and prayer. And so in our prayer, in our prayer section, one of the prayer requests is that we always make a point to pray for the specific, specific applications that pe- people have mentioned. And then after that, we transition into just asking them to share praises and prayer about our week. So I spy Vikram in the back. And Vikram is one of our friends from our church. And so if I could get Vikram to come up to the mic, and he's just going to demonstrate for us how to facilitate uh, a care group sharing time. So we've just done the study, um, and then we've sat down in a circle. We usually break our care group up so you have eight to ten people. Make smaller groups of three to four people so that you get more time to interact and pray with one another. Is the mic in the middle? So... (laughs) So, um, so after we've sat down in a circle, we've all shared our applications. So, Vikram, I've just told you my application for this week. And so, how do we go into sharing time now? Vikram is from our, from our home church in Melbourne, so he's an expert at this. <laughs> I'm still a little bit confused. <laughs> okay, so at the end of care group time, we've done the study. And we just want to do praise and prayer time before we pray. Oh, okay, yeah? sure. Okay, so this is the last component, so mm-hmm. after we've done our applications. Yeah. And so, okay, so we generally break up into groups of threes and fours. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, okay, I'm in your group of three okay. and four, and I've just told you my application for the week, and I'm not a very talkative person. Mm-hmm. So how do you encourage me to answer those questions? Mm. Okay, so Bernice, um, thanks so much for sharing. It's great that you could join us today. That's okay. Um, how's your week this past week? Yeah, it's been busy. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and tell me again, how did you hear about our care group? Oh, so I, um, I met a friend called Vikram. He was doing some <laughs> surveys on, on campus, and he said to come here tonight. Oh, I see. Yeah, I've, I've heard about him before. <laughs> okay, well, I'm so glad you could join us. Um, Bernice, was there anything that stood out to you this week that we could pray for you? Um, not really. I have some exams next week, though, so I'm oh. pretty tired. Oh, sure. And um, what, what degree are you doing again? I'm doing dentistry. Oh, I see. Okay. Are you first year, second year? I'm just about to start my fourth year. Wow, okay, so you've almost graduated. Uh, well, I've got five years, so oh, okay. two more years to go. Yes, but okay. over the halfway point, which is good. Okay. Yeah. Is there anything from the lesson today that stood out to you? Um, well, I, as I shared, my application was that I, I wanted to pray more this week, so mm-hmm. I guess that was what I learned, yeah. Okay, sure. All right, well, why, why don't we spend some time in prayer now? Fantastic. Do you see how that works? So, you know, as I said before, people that... Thank you, Victor. Sure. Do you, you want a koala, koala bear, too? <laughs> <laughs> he gets the real thing back. I don't know why he wants yeah. this. But <laughs> Thanks, Victor. So, do you see how you need to ease people into it? Make them comfortable. Just ask them on a friendly basis. How was your week? Is there anything that I can pray for? And usually seekers that come to Kegu for the first or second time... The main prayer points will be exams, assignments, and work. And those, they will ask you to pray for that for months. Exams, assignments, work. But you'll see that as they get more and more um, comfortable with you, it will expand. 
I want to pray for the health and happiness of my family. You know, I'm, I'm facing some uh, difficulties with my friends. I find it hard to work with my project team in, in university. We have a group project. I'm finding it hard this week. Do you see how that works? And then they slowly and slowly grow, and you're teaching them how to depend on God as well. Okay, so, as a summary, we want to keep the end game in mind whenever you're talking about care groups. You want to keep it to 8 to 10 people. Uh, you want to make sure that it has a family feel, meaning that if you have too many people or too few people, it's really hard to, to interact with one another on a family basis. If you have 25 people that you need to cook for, clean for, host every Friday night, as well as prepare the sharing, prepare the study, um, it can be very tiring. And you're probably not going to get the chance to talk to everyone and at least say hi before the night is over. You want to have that small family feel. So that means that sometimes you're going to have to multiply your care groups when you grow, and that's a good problem to have. My brother will be talking a little bit more about that, but... Sometimes we find that people get a little bit of separation anxiety when you multiply a care group. You know, at first uh, they'll be like, "Oh, why don't we just uh, we'll have dinner together?" And then after that, we'll split. You know, for the study. Um, or, "Oh, can't we just you know combine? I won't see such and such anymore on a Friday night. I only see them on Sabbath." So people get a little bit anxious. But we try to transition that multiplication period by having numerous combined care groups. So for special events, like um, if we have a, we don't have Thanksgiving, so we only have Christmas. So for a Christmas combined K-group, where a few K-groups get together and they see old friends and things like that. Um, And then after that, we slowly multiply. And you'll find that people, if you make the effort to spend time with them outside of K-group time and consolidate those friendships, that they will find a sense of belonging and identity within your whole group. And they won't, they'll be like, oh, we have K-group that's combined again, can't we just stay, you know, like by ourselves? And they, they'll be fine. They will, um, they will identify with that new group and they will make it their own. So that's multiplication. Um, regardless of your absolute size, it's always a good idea to keep in mind the number of members you have as opposed to the number of seekers. Now, small groups are not meant to be member only. Small groups are outreach tools. So if you don't have any seekers, there shouldn't be a small group. It's not a replacement for Friday night festivals. It's, it's, these are supposed to be evangelistic small groups that help you to minister to others. At the same time, if you have too many seekers, you're going to stretch your members out and they're going to get burnt out. So you need to have that critical balance and you need to work very closely with your church and with your personal ministry leader as well. So this is just a picture to remind us that care groups are meant to be family. People are supposed to um, look forward to being able to spend time together. So like Obadiah was saying, you know, if you organize a trip based on the interests that you guys have, maybe go swimming together or something like that. Just organize events where people find that they look forward to spending time in the care group. Once care group becomes a chore, it defeats its purpose. So always keep that in mind. Now, we are at 4.30, and we've got 45 minutes left, but I know you guys have been sitting for a long time, so we're going to take a three-minute break. Just stand up, stretch, get a drink of water, and then come back here, and we'll do a little bit more. This message was recorded by Fountain View Productions for GYC. GYC, 
a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians. To download or purchase other resources, visit us online at gycweb.org.